come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and germs, to the Saturday Night Freak Show podcast. Every Saturday, we watch a movie and then we talk about it for your edification and listening pleasure. Tonight, I give you the abbreviated Saturday Night Freak Show starting lineup. Sean and Travis and I'm Colin and tonight we watch Travis's movie Travis what do we watch tonight John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness from the year 1994 95 five. I think all right four or five I want to say four or five four or five so uh, <laughs> uh this is the like I don't know what number movie this is that John Carpenter made John Carpenter is an established brand at this point it's funny Travis John Carpenter is one of my favorite directors, and I have yet to actually pick one of his movies on this show. H.P. Lovecraft. Is this the first? Who did they live? Gary did. Oh, Gary. oh really? And H.P. Lovecraft is one of my favorite authors. Yet to pick something inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. I doubt Who that. Who picked Reanimator? I think maybe that was me. I think you I think did. So. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There we go. I got one for two. I mean, that's why I picked this movie is because I don't, I, I don't think there's been anything in horror that... Like, Lovecraft, to me, just, I don't know, almost put a period at the end of horror, right? Like, I mean, horror was always, you know, focusing on, you know, death and guilt of murder, la, la, la. But then Lovecraft just took it to this whole new level of this cosmic horror. He went, he went more into the psyche. Well, but just in, what what horror does to you, not necessarily, like... Oh my God, somebody with a knife stabbing me. It's more like I saw someone stab somebody with a knife and it kept me up for hours. Yeah, and like Edgar Allan Poe about, did that, yeah? Did he? I don't know. I mean, his stuff I mean, I guess all about so. Probably. I mean, like the, the guy from the Telltale Heart this, almost goes crazy. Right, goes Lovecraft crazy. really Guilt. took what I would almost consider a religious aspect to it, right? Like this idea that that things on this earth could be so old and so ancient that and, and we come from them that were somehow psychically psychically linked to these things and and they're so horrible and so like monstrous that, that just to the look at just one to look at one would drive insane. you insane you know because yeah. yeah you've never seen anything like this and this this movie to me is the first time like we've seen lots of people try to do lovecraft even though reanimator is probably the best lovecraft adaptation i want to say there's one i want to show on this at some point it's called the resurrected which is a pretty dan o'bannon did a oh, yeah? at it. it's a pretty decent but it's not it doesn't deal with the cosmic horror yeah of lovecraft like this i haven't seen anything do you know the, the i mean basically it's the cthulhu mythos right i mean basically like, i mean kind of well the, we the talked story, about how in the in, you know the title uh, in the mouth of madness is kind of a nod to in uh, the mountains of Man- at the mountains of madness which is the story where lovecraft lays out kind of the His you know mythology how, yeah, or yeah. whatever yeah, there's like Call of Cthulhu and At the Mountains of Madness. Lay that out that we were grown from, you know. And there, there's, so I guess what the, the the Cthulhu mythos for those of you who don't know this is that there are beings who came from space to the Earth eons ago, ancient eons, and populated the planet and were driven under the surface or out into the nether regions by some type of black magic war that they had, and they've been waiting throughout the century sleeping and waiting for the stars to line up so they can they also, get back yeah, they also into go our out reality. of phase <laughs> they yes. go out of phase with reality as well they you know this is why they're kind of a weird this is why i mentioned that they're kind of like i don't want to say a god uh type of 
but it is in a weird way. It's kind they of have cultists sure. that worship them. Yeah, the yeah. The idea, or... the idea that mankind is so is so <laughs> microcosmic that that you know we are nothing compared to the the vast reaches of space and blo- and reality yeah, and whatnot. Stephen King, I think, I think described it once like... when he was doing a, a, a he was writing about Lovecraft. He said that the impression you get is that if one of Lovecraft's gods was to shrug its shoulders, it would destroy the entire, you know, the planet Earth and, you know, <laughs> destroy mankind. Yeah, there's a weight to that idea. It's just like, Jesus Christ. I remember when I first saw Never Ending Story for the first time and they, they talked about the nothing. You know, and I mean, that was the first time I ever had a, a concept of like nothing. You mean no heaven? No, like there's no afterlife. Like you would just blip out, right? Mm. And then just like <gasps> that—that's like where cosmic horror, in a weird way, started for me. Uh, but this movie um, really helped that along. Even before I read Lovecraft, uh, I you know I saw this movie before I even touched Lovecraft, so I knew Lovecraft was for me. You know, when I saw this movie, I'm like, <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, well, that was the thing, though, uh, because we were talking during the movie earlier that it never acknowledges H.P. Lovecraft in any of the credits. So no. how did you know that it was... The imagery kind of lends itself it's to that. The, you know what Cthulhu is, and yeah. then you see things with tentacles Coming out and of the like, face and whatnot. Yeah, you just kind of put two and two together that, that oh, that's you know where this thing comes from. Right. That and, and most of the stuff in this movie seems to be based off of Stephen King, obviously. And Stephen King's a lot of influences of his come from, yeah, from Lovecraft and whatnot. Yeah, because that's what it looked like to me, like watching this movie. Yeah, this movie has a horror. It's about a horror author named Sutter Kane, and it's a good Stephen King. Like, like, wow, yeah, you know what? He's he outsells Stephen King. Yeah, He's that's so a good popular. line in this. Like, even though you somehow, can forget about Stephen King, Kane outsells them all. <laughs> but somehow, our protagonist uh, John Trent, the insurance investigator. Has never heard of it. Well, because he doesn't read. Yeah. Right. He yeah. just doesn't yeah, read. He's, he's dealing with real tape. world. Even if yeah. you don't he's read deal- Stephen King. Well, but that's what I like about this character. John Trent, uh, played by Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. Proof that you can go crazy just by reading it because he's never read it before. Like He's kind of like a uh, uh, the outside viewer who's never heard of it who reads it and does go crazy. Like well, it gives- He only deals with reality. He deals with right. facts. He, like This doesn't seem to be a guy that spends much time in the fantasy realm, He's right? Perfect person to happen to. Yeah. And so... Well, Kane, I guess, has been, to tie this into with our, you know, how we were starting this, Kane has been, this is revealed later in the movie, but you've seen this, haven't you, listener? You've seen it. So, Kane has been in contact with, somehow sub- yeah, you subconsciously go uh, been influenced by the elder gods. The, the old we, ones. Yeah. And there so through his writings, they're attempting to change the real the fabric of reality and mm. allow them to re enter. But, but the movie domain. really starts from the point of just the idea of what can violent media do to our culture. That's kind of like where it starts out, you know, because you know, I mean, we right off the bat. I mean, should we start at the insane asylum, or should we just no, go no, just right, say what, what you were saying? Just right yeah, off the bat, you know, it lets you know that like Sutter Kane, you know, the new horror novel by you know, and it talks about there's all these riots at bookstores because they don't supply enough copy, and like people are they just can't wait for it. in the in the mouth of madness, yeah. and uh, and so you you get this idea that this world. I mean, they're they're so fiction driven that it's starting to fuck up the populace, right? They're so like 
people clamor for fiction more than they care about one another, right? They they mm-hmm. want this fucking book, you know. Well, I guess along those themes, it you know, you were talking about it, it's the the. I mean, I guess what we're talking about the the culpability of an author in creating violence in the people who consume his ideas, yeah, yeah, or the work, which is interesting. So, Wes Craven's new nightmare came out like before or after this? I'm gonna say after. I don't know. Uh, Around '94, didn't it come out around the same time? It was like very close. But I don't think this necessarily is. You don't think they go after the same? Not necessarily, because I really do think, in a weird way, and we'll get to this later. I I do think this is more about religion than it is necessarily about media. In a weird way, not necessarily, but we'll get to that. You know, I mean. (laughs) You know, the only reason I'm drawing the comparison is because it seems, you know, New Nightmare is about, you know, you know, do the people who make scary movies have any kind of uh, responsibility responsibility for like violent, you know, I mean, whatever, get, getting it into that you're releasing this in this idea right. into the zeitgeist and then people are acting on it. And so, like, are you responsible for it? It's like, you know, kind of what Wes Craven was dealing with there, where it seems like that is what John Carpenter kind of is dealing with here. It's like because his main character, not his main character, but the antagonist is an author who's also putting this idea into the public and then, you know, inspiring mass killings and eventually changing the world through, you know, this kind of negative. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess I'll lean more towards... But I just I don't know why. I think I both think themes how, are in there. I mean, know, for like, sure. Uh, I just they just definitely do it in a, in a different way. Um, well, to your point about the religion, I counted this time. There was three times that uh, at one point Sutter Kane. Well, was three times that they mentioned the Bible. At one point, Sutter Kane says more people read my work than read the Bible. Uh, he said something else, and then finally, when he actually finishes the book. He's like, come read the new Bible. The new Bible. Because so it's, it's about like, fiction becoming our our new reality is what it is. Or is it if, <laughs> if like, I don't know. Because this is the blasphemous, right, to some people. But the idea that, like, something is only real if enough people believe right. in it. So he is kind of like, that's the religious angle. It's like, is it a yeah, criticism it's about, it's of about religion? Belief. Well, I, see, I don't know if it's it is. It's replacing it it's with just a different about, thing in this In movie, a weird but, way... But it's a it is that replacement that I think is what it's talking about. It's like because that's the I mean shit we're gonna we're talking so far into the movie we won't even have time to. Yeah, but this is good stuff. I mean, when Sutter Kane talks about how more people believe in my work than believe in the Bible. Yeah, I mean he's talking about like okay, you know what? Whatever you believe, you know, even if Jesus is pure fiction. What's the better reality, believing in the fictional peaceful thing or loving the fictional violent thing? Because that is really the choice. Whenever we sit down and watch a movie or sit, we have a choice. We're going to watch something that inspires positivity or we're going to watch something that inspires negativity. And you can't tell me that, like, movies and music, blah, blah. If movies and music can inspire happiness, they can inspire negativity and and violence. And that's just a fact of life. And especially if if the viewer doesn't have anything to – to gauge right, you know, what yeah, they're watching on, you know, if you show, dude, I got buddies that show their little five-year-olds fucking Star Wars, and they just want to start punching your balls when you walk into a room. It's right, like yeah. fucking crisis, kid. It, it, and Star Wars isn't seen as some violent adult movie, but it's you know, <laughs> they shoot a lot of people in that movie. 
it's just one of those things where you know. if a kid just sees something hit, 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 right. that's what they're going to do. So it's like, don't fucking tell me <laughs> that that what you watch and what you consume doesn't actually affect who you become as an adult. You know, I think it does. Right. Because yeah. what is, I mean, but yeah, to that regard, like, what is a kid doing but watching other people do things and reacting off of that? And how, and, and whether they watch in real life or watch it on TV, like. And not to get too fucking real in this conversation, but you're talking about we live in today's modern day. We, okay, of course we live in today's modern day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2016. I, I, I just mean. We have a huge gun problem today, and we're like, "Why? Why? Hey, let's go see that new movie about the 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 fun hitman that's going to meet a girl." It's just like that's <laughs> fucking why. It's because we watch shit that 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 romanticizes very violent fucking people. So why wouldn't people say, "Hey, man, I'm cool if I go shoot a fucking gun. I'm cool if I go kill people." Because movies mm-hmm. really, really, I mean, because movies think, you know, I, I get it, movies. The fun of movies is oh you get to live that other life yeah, that your identification you, it's like your projection projecting yeah. yeah but if you raise a kid on that thinking like hey this is reality mm-hmm. you know if a kid's just like you know it doesn't have anything like I said to gauge it against to like you know mm-hmm. uh, I mean shit when we go to horror conventions I can almost see it's like we're the type that like we love horror movies. And then I call the others the gore hounds. They're the people that they the fucking violence. They don't care what movie they put in mm. as long as it's got throat slits and the, oh, blah, you know. Or, it's like okay, you know, the unintelligent. They don't see the the art of the filmmaking, the editing, the the oh, you know, just to give somebody that 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 uh, the feeling of fear through through um, whatever storytelling. They just see. Oh man, when he fucking yeah. guts that chick and yeah. oh, da, 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 it's like that's why it's like this yeah. fucking movie means a I've lot had, to me because of that. I've had an experience and it been a theater. It was for Devil's Rejects where there were kids in front of me like you like reacting in a way like yeah, yeah, killer. It was just kind of like Jesus Christ, what am I doing here? But uh this kind of goes to the the responsibility or the culpability thing and I know this is uh, kind of an aside, but I was recently listening to a, a podcast. They were talking with uh, Alex Aja, and he had remade Wes Craven's uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. And he said when they were doing that, um, there was a scene in the in the trailer during the rape scene where they were going to, you know, they kill the bird. And he was saying, well, we should amp it up. You know, this is a remake. We should do the, uh, like, we kill a cat or put a cat in a microwave. And Wes Craven was like, oh, you can't do that. And he was like, Aja was like, why? Why? You know, I was like, you're Wes Craven. You did horrible, horrible shit like in the, in the past. And Wes Craven was like, no, you can't do that because some kid out there will do it or somebody will do it. So the later day Wes Craven, this is post, you know, New Nightmare. But clearly this guy was wrestling with this, you know, throughout his life. Give and it seems like, idea. yeah, it seems like Carpenter. I mean, again, Carpenter didn't write this. It was given to him by uh, Michael DeLuca, who was the head of. You said uh, <laughs> production and development. Why yeah. you make me say putting words in my mouth? Yeah, so I mean, so I don't know if he just like kind of you know, it's like here's a script, and it's like oh, I can kind of work this in there, or if it was Deluca had worked it in there, and you know, now we've got Carpenter making it. It's just you know, the the fact that the movie is such a metafiction movie where 
in the by the end of the movie, the main character is watching John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. I mean, Carpenter Starring is injected into the the body of the, the film yeah. himself by name. You well, know, this is all done in a, I think, a, just a great way, right? Just this, I don't know. To me, this story. Like one day I got to track down this novel. You know, I think the novelization of this would be a really fun read, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, that is in the mouth of man. You know, that's the book you're supposed to read. To you know, to this will bring on the change. <laughs> you know, there's shit about this I fucking love. Just eh. to me, this is the last classy horror movie. Like I wish this movie was like in black and white. Like I bet it would look better in black and white. But like to me, where the it's the concept, it's the ideas that are driving the horror of this movie. I mean, I think what's lackluster about this movie are the actual what tries to be scary in this movie. The jump scares, just any of the scares, really. You're just like, this is fucking Yonsville, man. All right, like, well, we have to ask Sean about this because this was his first night, first viewing, first viewing watching this movie, and we had the volume cranked up to we like did. you know a hundred, which you need to to start this movie with the fucking heavy metal opening, <laughs> like all horror movies <laughs> <you> should have, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Ugh. Did I tell you the story? You said it was, temp- it? it was tempt with. Yeah, when he tempt the movie, when he put it together, because this is one of the first things he did with an Avid, I think, or something like that. That you know, Avid yeah. technology had come around. You can like, you know, have a version of it Fancy. that night. And uh, he said that he put together, or the editor, I think, put on uh, a Metallica song. He didn't identify it, and he said <laughs> when they showed it, you know, to this test screening thing, he could see people like Dude, you know moving, it's tapping. Exciting. And so he's like, we should do something like that. So that was because uh, Carpenter, of course, does the music to all of his, of course, movies. Yeah, he did for this one too. But did the 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 jump scare sequences, which are, I mean, in horror, they're usually referred to as like you know the the whatever bastard stepchild, of right? The yeah, yeah, cheap. Genre. They're cheap. Yeah, yeah, because it's the loud. Something happens, right. uh, lunges out of frame. Right. Somebody up to the volume singer. for this scene and then turn it back down for the There's quite a few of them in this movie. There well, are a lot of them. them. A lot because of them. Because it's not a scary be. movie. No, it's not a scary movie. It's more visually interesting to look at the stuff they put together. Uh, the jump scares, uh, I, I think one of them was just like, oh, oh, okay, that happened. Mm-hmm. Other than that, no, it's just like, you know, stuff, it, it's, it's an, uh, I mean, it's 94, but it's an older movie. Like, you can kind of feel. Uh, at a certain point, if you've seen enough of this stuff, you can kind of feel where they're going with mm-hmm. things. Like, oh, something kind of feels like it should be coming out now. Oh, uh. like, you can almost <laughs> yeah. feel them coming. Yeah, or, like, yeah, yeah. you can sense, like, I mean, depending on, on, on how experienced we are with this, you can almost, like, the way they frame something can also give way to something coming out from somewhere. So, I mean, I think one of them was just like, oh, okay. But this does Got have me. the... But other than that, nah. It does have the fun of... Like, reality can break down at any second. That's any where, second. like, even though it's not scary, I love when reality can just fucking bend, right? Yeah. I love like, when she, like, the, the biker goes by her, and then later on it's, like, the old biker goes by her. She's <laughs> like, oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, because that's cool. it's before they get to the town. It's yeah. Like, you know, so it's like... set this up for those listening. John Trent, played by Sam Neill from Jurassic Park fame, plays... Well, I said John Trent. John Trent. Right? <laughs> he plays... Who is a insurance fraud investigator. He's a dude that only relies on facts and uh, anybody who can think of anything's probably already done it. You know, like, he just doesn't buy into whatever. And he is tasked uh, with finding the... Uh, Author Sutter Kane and the book he owes Arcane Publishing, uh, 
Led by Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston, yes. <laughs> he had a great character name, too. Was it Jackson Harglow? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was like, Harglow. why isn't this called Harglow Publishing? Harglow Publishing Because well, Arcane awesome. is a riff on Arkham, you know, right, the H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft yeah. Publishing House. Right, and so they, they have Sutter Kane, who makes all these crazy fucking books that drive you crazy, and they want that last one, damn it. They're, he's con- contractually obligated to <laughs> drive people crazy. Yeah. And so they they hired him to track it down, but since he's an insurance fraud investigator, he's like, "What's the angle? Is this guy really missing? You know, I don't believe it. You know, yeah, because he's not hired by that company, right? He's hired he's by Bernie the insurance Casey. company, yeah, right. That yeah. has to find out, like, does this is guy have a claim, right, or yeah. is they're it? They're making publicity? the claim that our author is missing, so we have a problem. And they so think they're doing that, that for, like, you know, to build up. Uh, you know, hype right. for awareness the book, that the, people yeah. are already fucking out killing each other right. <laughs> for like riding bookstores, yeah. and uh, so I think it's kind of brilliant the way he puts together like where the location is. Like, I like that. I'm just like, oh, it's in like this little like uh, drawings on the books on the covers of each book. Like, that's and I what's like real, that. What's really important is uh, when uh, when Styles, who's uh, uh, Sutter Kane's uh, editor, you know, she was the girl from Fright Night too. Was she? Oh, was she a vampire? vampire? Huh, crazy. Yeah. Crazy. What's her name? Nah. You're talking the original. <laughs> She's Fright the Night vampire <laughs> from Fright Night 2. <laughs> Got her name. Uh, but I like how, uh, you know, she kind of spells it out that, like, you know, Sutter Kane's books have a tendency to affect its less stable readers. The weaker minded. You know, uh, memory loss, um, hallucinations. I like Sam Neill says, people pay to feel that way. It's cute. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good line. Yeah, he's got a very, like, deadpan. It is like the 40s noir detective, right? Because he's so, well, he's so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's just, ah, God damn it. Well, he's he doesn't it all. He's, yeah, he doesn't. You know, you know, he yeah, says like he knows every I'm trick. To think of the word. <laughs> so he knows every trick that everybody's trying to pull. He knows all the all everything that. Everybody but it's does. more than that too. Is like he's like I think he says to her something like not in this paraphrasing, but you know that human like I've seen. All of the sh- the worst shit of human nature. If you can think of it, people oh, can do I like, it. We like, fucked up the earth. We fucked up the water. Or we fucked up the air. We fucked up the water. Why don't we just finish the job by flushing our brains down the yeah, toilet? Yeah, he's a, a very cynical. <laughs> cynical. Thank cynical you, God damn. Yes, they, Cynical. Yeah. Fuck. Very cynical. Like, but I like his reasoning or his little thing because she's like, you know, well, you, you know, it's like if he sees like the world is worth nothing. You know what's the fucking point? And he's like, uh, yeah, but think of the bright side. It gives you, you know, you're not. There's not a whole lot of kid that can disappoint you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, so he, what he decides to read all Sutter Kane's books right, for, for whatever any sort of. Uh, so that's kind of the idea that like, oh shit, he sat down and read the books that make people crazy and unstable. That you is know? when he starts having like, like dreams, right? He starts right having hallucinations of. Dream after dream, being in that dream. alleyway, looking behind—that's I like that kind of thing in a movie or a horror movie, right? Where someone like kind of peeks behind something, but then they get distracted and they never finish it, and then you yeah. revisit that throughout the movie where they keep trying to peek. And so, yeah, those are his dreams, but he's also, you know, could be going crazy. But we haven't talked about the the cool scene in the diner. Oh yeah, shit. Around, right. <laughs> he, uh, when he yeah. first finds out about the yeah. uh, arcane uh, insurance thing, yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's set he up like a, a classic John Carpenter scene, right? Because I mean, this is the stuff that 
Carpenter used to do when Dean Cundy was his yeah. cinematographer. And I think this goes to why this movie is so bright and, you know, its compositions are kind of clean and sterile. A lot yeah, of no, wide angles. No Cundy vision in this one. Yeah, because he's got a different guy that he's been working with, you know, ever since Dean Cundy got. Well, if you want to hear about it, that's all the commentary on the Blu rays about. All it is is him and the fu- all it is is like how'd you like that? How'd you get that? It's like fuck, man. Well, because he didn't write it, so yeah, he's not right. really talking about yeah, themes or nothing. It's weird, you know. The, the I know, like as the one movie commentary, it's like it kind of sucks if you know you don't care about like the how, the technical thing of how it's put together. But if you take all of John Carpenter's commentary tracks together, that guy has <laughs> oh, fucking film done school. film school. <laughs> it yeah, is. that's the this is the lighting one because this is the, well this is the thing where because John Carpenter's like. This is why I became a director, so I had to learn all this shit. Here's this guy that's going to tell you. He's like, what do we use on this? A whiting? It just sounds like John Carpenter doesn't know. And he's just like, I, did, did I see this movie? John Carpenter's in the mouth of me. I must have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, yeah. Well, but, but it's a great commentary if you want to know the technicalities of this whole movie. Yeah. Oh, when dude. I had it on Laserdisc, I listened to it. <laughs> How many Laserdiscs did you have? Jesus. I had uh, that like, many. You must have had yeah, a crate had full of these things. Yeah. So then I crate. sold them all to a pawn shop. I've only shop. seen Laserdiscs uh, in milk crates. Isn't that weird? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like records. Like the size of records. Yeah. They belong yeah. in milk crates. Yeah. Um, but the scene... Yeah, uh, is the the public who we find out is the agent, literary agent. Later on, we find this out. The literary agent of uh, Sutter Kane comes out of a bookstore and walks up to a diner where Bernie Casey and uh, Sam Neill are sitting in a booth in the foreground, unaware of what's happening in the background. This guy's you know coming out with an axe. People are running, but the conversation between the two guys is still kind of going on, and, the, and they're just oblivious and. In this version, they, do they cut away? Car- he cuts yeah. away like yeah. twice. He cuts in. Well, I mean, there's the cut-ins to just each him, of right? the just there, the X Man walking across the street. They just cut closer. Well, to- they cut in on like the the close up, the dialogue close ups of uh, Sam Neill and Bernie Casey, I think, across the table. And then there's the wide shot, and then it cuts in for close-ups, I think, at least twice, on the axe man himself. And I'm like, 70s John like, Carpenter wouldn't have would cut. Have stayed, yeah, that would have been one on shot, it. and Those that would have been better. Him in the background. I, it follows yeah. is based on that whole, like, you know, that's we just yeah, 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 that's exactly We'll just like, have a walk. Put him in the background and bring him here. Right? Yeah. It should have been Halloween. Right? It's like John Carpenter. But that's got to be modern-day movie-making. Like, you got to cut. Kids are going to get bored. You got to cut. You know, it's got to be modern-day editing versus... Old school editor. Or it's the new editor you got. Too. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, no, no John, three to seven seconds. Here, right? <laughs> it's got to be me. three to seven seconds. That's mm-hmm. how commercials have trained humans to watch movies. Three to seven seconds. Yeah, right. But then, of course, the, I mean, it is the most memorable scene in the movie to me because he leans in and he's got his the, the two split irises. Yeah, there, there's like, like two of them combined. As yeah. if it's like it's, it's like a, it's like the amoeba, the cell dividing when you're the, yeah. when they show the pregnancy video. You know, the cell divides and the egg gets bigger. And, and his like, voiceover has to be the fucking movie guy. It has to be. Do you read Sutter Kane? It has it really to is. be. Like very early on, like, do you read Sutter yeah. Kane? It is. Yeah. I, it's I, be. I don't think it's that guy's voice. <laughs> that yeah. looks like yeah, ADR, but yeah. a, a fucking, that guy's voice is awesome. That's great. Do you read Sutter Kane? Oh, well, that's I the first, that. like, uh, in, in, you yeah, know, I like, I did trailers. the, uh, the first intrusion, I guess, of this insanity, the insanity? or this yeah. alternate world comes through uh, several characters tell John Trent that they can he can see you or I, I can, can see, see you. he sees you yeah that comes up like hi. several times in the 
which is scary to me. I think that's scary. I've always wanted to go to a horror convention with the blood drops with I can see spray painted on a T-shirt. <laughs> I can just walk around. Yeah. Like, who gets it? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what that means. And Well, because he sees you. Because he, but he wrote him. I know we're jumping ahead, yeah, but jump. well, that's exactly it, right? He needs to give him freaky things. That that's to me, that's the problem with this movie. Personally, is that I think it has a great first and third act. Second act is a, kind of a lot of wandering around until you get to the third act and stuff. Because oh, yeah. like by the time they get to the like hotel. you said, he figures that's out Stephen King. He stuff figures out in. the uh, the the location the location where Sutter Kane could be hiding because uh, Sutter Kane had all his art done by one person and he had these weird red lines all over it and if you cut them all out it is a map of new hampshire yes with the town of hobbs hobbs and, and his oh, you know where they got that from what uh quater mass in the pit that's hobbs what? end is the train station where the bomb is we got to watch that on this show we have point. to yeah, you've been talking about quater mass for a while always talking about quater mass what the fuck well he's like what the indiana jones before indy we'll talk about that on <laughs> yep. that movie so, yeah, so they go to Hobbs End, which, I don't know, to me, I hate, I don't know, I hate that whole part of the car. And to me, I just think it's really boring. There's the scene where, what, they couldn't, they didn't want to pay anybody for music, so Sam Neill is singing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> it's like, why? America. From C to it's like what the fuck are they you, talking about? You don't ever just get shit stuck in your head. It's like I don't know why I'm singing this. I'm just saying it. Spangled Banner. It's like never, this is, is never, this propaganda. Never. I don't get what this is. <laughs> if there was a time and place for propaganda, it was that scene. But then what? He wakes her up well, and he learned the most him. important thing. He's a foreigner. You will so. ever learn is never, never, never throw chips at a driver. <laughs> That's the most important thing you learn from this Do we movie. determine where Sam Neill was from when we were watching? Uh, we were discussing between Australia and Kiwi. Like, he was from New, New Zealand. Zealand. New Zealand? I think because uh, it was mentioned that he has uh, he has a wine, a line of wines from New Zealand that he's, oh, that he's Kiwi. Right. So, one or the other, but it really came out in that scene. It's like, oh, well, he's very much whatever that is. <laughs> whatever yeah. that is. Whatever he's from. But they, the the scene of getting to Hobbs then is kind of it's disorienting, which I guess yeah. is one of the things that the movie then this is, becomes like a. That's also where there's a, the exposition, right? Where she's like, you know, where he's like, oh, what's scary about it? It's just, you know, it's bullshit. It's make believe, and she's like, well, mm-hmm. what if the world shared his, you know, perspective? What if, you know, saint or. Sane and insane can easily swap places, right. you know. Like yeah, it's whatever one day you will find yourself in a padded cell, wondering what happened to the world. That's a great right, right. speech. Yeah, but that's yeah. and that's the scary thing to me. Like that's what scares because what she says, like, what if one day, like, insane becomes the majority, and all of a sudden, like, you're the one. Like she said, you're the one in the padded you're cell. You're the like, crazy that's, person. That is yeah. scary to me. Yeah, that's that a cool people concept. are just going to go so crazy that what I think what was normal becomes insane. And I'm shit that's happening to that. me every day. Yeah, dude, I was going to say, it's like, I don't want to get political in this, sure. but it's like, dude, this is happening. Like, in the mouth of madness is going on it's, right no, now. No, it's scary. Well, like, that is the scary part. Yeah. I was going to say, some of it just happens that probably everybody as they get older, like, sure. they just go like, I don't know what the fuck these people are doing anymore. But, yep. uh, <laughs> but then this just has weird things like, like you mentioned you right. like the kid on the bike a little earlier. Yeah, Aiden Christensen? Him. No, he was the paper boy. Paper yeah. Boy. Okay, yeah. No, he was not the... the 
a kid on the bike that turns into a plastic old man. With a bad wig. Thanks, yeah. K&B. What the fuck? Yeah, you can do better. Yeah, like, dude, that's Jesus. Like, yeah, man. Uh, this is, well, some of the monster shit's really great, but man, some of the shit's like, what the fuck? Like, who did that? Like, couldn't you give fucking Kirksman or Nicotero, like, Something. a few extra dollars? Like, that was the intern's job that day. They were just like, oh, I hey, swear. Go, go for it. I got this, like, like a, old plastic mask. There is, like, a pretty substantial, like, menagerie on display in this movie, you know, and uh, watching it this time, I'm like, oh, they really did build a bunch of gloop-covered, you know, animatronic Rah. creatures. Yeah. So I, I'm guessing the f- on the budget, because you know, it seems like it's a, a low... Lower, yeah, I mean, because oh, what is, it's a it's it's two people in a sedan or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah. I mean, but they got the whole movie is an empty town, two people in a car. Yeah, that's the movie, and they found that church. That's a that's some church. Did they somewhere. find that? That's a really? some yeah. church Somebody, somewhere it's in, in Canada. Somewhere. Yeah, so this, like film, this was filmed in Greek Toronto. Orthodox Church with the, uh, the spires and everything. Yeah. I'm sure they. I don't. I don't Byzantine know. Byzantine church they, from the. Byzantine. Byzantine. Yeah. According to him. But that is the fun of that scene, right? Is they're like, they're reading from Sutter Kane's novels. Like, like it's a tour guide. He says, well, yeah. well, I keep on mentioning how the scare scenes in this read like a horror novel, right? You just don't know when reality is going to shift. Uh, we're talking about how yeah. there's, oh, there's the kid on the bike, turns into an old man. She hits him. And like, we Very have our much. weird. You know what? How she once they arrive to Hobbs End, it, it's almost like she's you imagine pick, they go she, through a reality shift, right? And then she's like picking that. out every single thing. Like they get into, I think they get into the hotel. It's like there's a loose board there. There's a picture behind it, which is actually the Pikmin Hotel, and that is the yeah. one reference to Pikmin's, Pikmin's model. model. Yep, yep, that's a H.P. Lovecraft story. <laughs> Who was a painter? That's why there's a bunch the of fucking nerds. Dude, you, you need to read H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> because you nerds. will. That's horror defined. <laughs> defined. I'll read and be like, oh, oh, this connects to this. Oh, oh. Well, it seems to me like I'm my, okay, so again, I saw this when it was new, and it, it that makes, it's different now when I watch it, because I think, you know, time makes movies either better or worse as, as they go on. But the thing I remember about my first experience watching this, like, up to this point, till they get to the hotel, or the motel, hotel? hotel. Like, it was, Holiday it was Inn. intriguing, the setup was cool it was like i was with it and then when once you get to the hotel and all the stuff that that uh, succeeds it whatever for the next i guess the second act does kind of feel like they are just throwing abstract shit at you it is abstract yeah and so I'm like, okay, so their intention is but It's almost to, like you're walking through a short story town, right? You are like if it say, is. say if you go is. Yeah, say it's like it's like Westworld, but for fucking <laughs> Sutter King. It feels like Stephen King it, world. It, like yeah. they just wandered into and it. I, and I'm sure they meant for that. Because yeah, like you say Well, are they trying to disorient you? Is that the idea? Because there's like there's I little children so. who walk up to the woman and they're like you're our mommy. Oh, yeah. Who looks after you? You do. And you're like, you do. what no, motivates that? No, it's that? not meant to make sense. It can't. It's yeah. Little it kids. can't. There's a bunch of stuff that it seems like just doesn't make no. sense. You know like what even, today is? Even, Today's mommy's day. Yeah, <laughs> even to the internal logic of the movie, <laughs> yeah. I think it doesn't make sense. No. But it's like, because then he ends up like going through some time loop where he keeps on encountering these but, like transformed zombie villagers. With but we are in that like world, that. though. That's what I like about it, because... Well, I mean, we are in that world. I mean, that's why Styles is so freaked out because she's just like, "This is the fucking Pikmin Hotel. I know everything about all right, these she stories." Recognizes and I like, it, he's like, 
if you know if, if this was reality, you know, blah blah blah, there'd be a black this Byzantine church at the at the west side, or whatever. That's like she's like you read wrong. It's on the it's east side, east view, or whatever. <laughs> there it is. And they only park a mile away, so you get the whole church. Like anytime they park there, it's a mile away to get the whole church in the shot. Yeah. Um, but I like that. I like how. Once again, it's the whole. She starts reading books, and I really think that like develops this fucking world. I mean, as as cheap as it, it is, it worked better this time around when I was watching. Yeah, it really yeah. like what how they. What does he say about the church? About how like it was built in this, but then like the black church swallowed it up the way yeah, it swallowed right, our yeah, minds. Yeah, yeah. The remnants of it are still inside and, and whatnot. Like, yeah, because it find was it. like the church of the old ones. Or it's whatever. almost like it's the they'd... church from Dagon, right? It becomes yeah. the esoteric. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, order yeah, of Dagon. Yeah, yeah. You need if you're doing a if you're we doing just did it again. If you're doing, I'm sorry, Sean shaking. His if you're head. doing Lovecraft, you got to have the Dagon, the Church of Dagon, and that's exactly what they did. But it was the Sutter Cain. Yeah. Well, it gives like I mean I see what you're saying the 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 kind of embellishment through the vocabulary you know like that's the uh, the greenhouse where one night the, the history yeah They're the townspeople the saw something moving in there they yeah. had snakes for arms or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and Mrs. Of, Miss Pickman. It was supposed to be a, a lady that hacked. He's like Miss Pickman was a lady that hacked her husband into bitted pieces. She got a handcuff to her ankle in the bottom of the fucking Like I, whoever the actress who plays her, like she's been in a bunch of stuff. Oh, she was like Adam Sandler's yeah. grandma and fucking yeah. Happy Gilmore and shit. But like <laughs> I like May or something. Not something like that, but I like her in this. Like she's very hurry. Her just her character in this. Her reaction to the things like when he's questioning her, it's just like I like her reactions to it. Like she plays it very well. Just like I don't know. I don't well, know. because he's trying to figure out is this a, like a set up town right. from mm-hmm. Arcane Publishing to fucking like so. I like that. So I'll run back and tell everybody about your haunted little town and sell you a billion more copies. Well, fuck that. Fuck that. And that's where I also think the movie makes a misstep is that she admits that this was a hoax. And you're like, wait, what? But we is it or is it not? Uh, well, they were like, supposed to find a town. They were supposed to find a town. Don't you think it's like one layer too many? It's like, you, we could have lived without yeah. that. And it's still, sure. you know, I it mean, just I, made it like, what? what? I, mean, I don't mind the insurance fraud thing because, dude, like, if you it really investigate what. What people do for advertising, <laughs> it's insane. It's insane oh, yeah. the lengths people will go. Yeah. So I don't find that to be what's so crazy about it. It's just the fact that uh, it's like the first augmented reality game. Whoever solves the <laughs> map puzzle and finds the hidden town, you know, now we do that all the time. <laughs> but the fact that I don't know, she she goes like ape shit a little too early for me because that's when she gets she goes into it real quick. Like yeah, real quick because a little too quick for well, me. I was just like, shit. Before we even get there, I want to talk about we're still at the 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 church where you know mm-hmm. they read the history of the church and then all of a sudden these trucks pull up right. And once again, we're in the middle of a horror story. Yeah, you know where Vigo the Garbian. <laughs> you are like the buzzing of flies oh, going. Uh, this I sort of got. It's got to be like up. the only movie I've seen this guy in besides that's Ghostbusters what I said. Well, too. That's what I because I looked. I'm like. Uh, as in the middle of it, I'm like, is that fucking Vigo? Fucking Vigo. And then I was looking, I'm like, yeah, he's in this. He's in Die Hard 2. Is he Die like, Hard 2? Or no, Die Hard. He's in actually Die Hard. Really? Yeah, he's one of the, he's, uh, when they like, uh, when they're, tra- um, um. One of the terrorists. Well, the he's one of the terrorists. When they're moving the bombs, the rockets, yeah. and it falls oh. off. And he's like, I said, but I do. That's why is us. Like, this is that guy. 
He gets blown up at the end. But yeah, I was like, fucking Vigo! So that guy, I, I, I like how, once again, we set, we get set in the middle of a horror story. These guys get to watch a horror story, right? Yeah. And the, the trucks pull up, and the guy gets out with guns, and he's like, Kane! Give me back my son! Yeah. And so we have this weird, like, door on. opening, or, oh, like, you know, that effect. Mm-hmm. I wish that would that could have worked with, like, the proper editing. You know, you know <laughs> yeah, these yeah, doors open. It opens and it's Sutter Kane. Sutter Kane. It's the first shot you get of Sutter Kane. Jurgen Proc now. And then we get uh, the Hounds of Hell. I've yeah. seen him in a few things. Yeah, yeah. Is he a Dust Boot? Oh, shit. Yeah, he's the captain. He's genius. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Right. I kind of like also him. in House of the Dead or so. But then what? Bull, Zardoz, right? the Hound of Hell. Is that the name of the Hound of Hell? <laughs> Z- Zartan? Why? Zart- Zart- Boot? No, goddammit. Oh. What's the name so of that horror movie? Something? The Hound of Hell. That, it's a Doberman Pinscher. That? Yeah, it's how- Dracula's dog or whatever. No, Zoltan. Zoltan, the Hound of Hell. <laughs> Zoltan. Well, then a bunch of those thing, dogs come out. Is that the thing from Big? What? No, that's Zardoz. Zoltan's from fucking Dude, Where's My Zardoz. Car? <laughs> anyway, a bunch of government pictures that you know are the, the hounds of hell yeah. come out to 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 bite their, their sleeves. <laughs> you know, I was watching that, and I'm like, so all those guys are the trainers, right? And there's Vigo hightailing it right, out Right, because Vigo doesn't get bit. He yeah. just runs. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love that these characters are in the middle of a book. They are. They're in the, uh, in I, I kind of love books, that about right? that. Right. In a bunch of ser- that's why she can go to the Pikmin Hotel. Right. That's the Hobbs and Horror. I kind of they love go that. to the church, and that's whatever the fuck And that's it why it feels so like Stephen King to me. And like we said, we know Stephen King gets a lot of his influences from Lovecraft. Uh, it's like if you Lovecraft, went to Stephen King's Maine. Right, right. Like, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, Everything yeah, yeah. that he wrote about there. Maine. If you went there, you went to Derry, you went to all that stuff. If you yeah. like visited and like Naval those characters were just Rock. wandering the town and everything. Yeah. Because you Lovecraft got to interact with that, them. but it was like Rhode Island or no, Arkham, Massachusetts. Yeah, Massachusetts. Right? Yeah. But I yeah. love that about Arkham, yeah. this. Like that, it's, that's, yeah, that's fun. I like them just being in the middle But it of is like, I don't know on. why Sam Neill would just be like, you guys did a lot to pull this off. It's like, what fucking, are you serious? Well, when the guy blows his head off in front of him, is oh, that the oh, moment? Like, yeah. Like, like when he goes, he wrote he goes, me that way. Yeah, he's got the the bite, uh, the yeah. bite taken out of his cheek, and, he, and he, he says, "A five year old did this, my five year old." <laughs> but uh, before he did her mother, or she did her mother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's also one uh, another thing I like about <gasps> the subtext of this movie is, in a weird way, I mean, it it, it doesn't drive it home really, but I take it from. <laughs> I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. To me, this kind of talked about. I don't want to say it talked about communism, but it talked about. (laughs) But I'm gonna say it talked about. Well, it started when they say it started with the children and went to the parents. That's how fascist dictatorships work. That's why fascist dictatorships always want like state-run schools and blah blah. Because you start with the children, then it moves on to the adults. If you can get a kid addicted to these violent video games, it, they turn into adults. That violence grows with well, them. You know what like, I mean? This is a theme of Carpenter. Like you can pick this out. But I this think is a Carpenter's. Lot of his- he didn't write this though. I mean, yeah, he chose to direct it, but yeah, but it's like it seems tailor made for him, you know, because his theme always does seem to be Media. like he's always the rugged individual, right? Snake Plissken, I think, is the John Carpenter character, and John Wayne, he's the cowboy. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And it's Kurt like, Russell, is the idea this is, is to to not become one of them. Like they are coming and they're insidious. They're getting in amongst you and converting. Invasion you. of the body. We can just call it Kurt Russell. Like that's his character. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the John Carpenter it avatar. Is. Yeah. But you have like the thing or this, you know, like what you're saying, it's like the infection started here and, sp- and spread, mm. you know. I mean, it's like I look at Halloween. I'm like, do you see it there? But Halloween is like you just don't want to become one of the dead people. He doesn't want to conform. That's the problem. Yeah. Or that's not the problem. That's Carpenter's thing. He's like Conformity he wants to be death. anti. Yeah. Anti-conformity. Right. Be an individual and horror to him in his movies is becoming one of this mass group thinking uh, evil. Right. That's evil, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I can see him regarding that as just like, ugh, who would want to do that? Just yeah. Like, he no. would, I guess, see communism as a. Well, but you know what I'm saying? Thing. I mean, that's why I just threw communism out there as an example. But I, you know, I'm more thinking about the. The fact that you get young kids addicted to violent material, they grow old with the violent material. You know, starts with the kids, moves on, right. la la la. Sticks yeah. with them, and that's why I like the little monster kids. Like you're my mommy, <laughs> all that <laughs> shit. Little fucking disease. And it is kind of creepy. Around. Like when they first see him, they're chasing the dog, and then when you see him the second time, the dog's missing the leg. You know, like yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, like holy yeah. fuck, they caught the dog and tore his leg off. <laughs> Woo, this movie. Yeah. But that's what Sam Neill's like, fuck this shit, you know. I'm going to get the hell out of here. Well, she actually she's goes more to the so church. Because yeah. she's like, I'm going to go talk to Kane. Like, we have to read the end of the book. Like, if we're. That's why right. I'm surprised. Like, to the end. this fucking bitch really buys into, like, really? like we're living in a book. That's like, a we're thing. living in like, a fiction. If we read the end of his book, we'll know how to leave the town. Like, that's, where what? Was, <laughs> that's where I was hesitant in this movie. I'm like, wow, she jumps to that really quickly. Really quickly. And I'm just like, ooh. Like, we're and, already? But all right. You can excuse that in the logic of the movie because she is a fictional character. She's being she was written that written way. That way. Uh, she was always a fictional character. We find out later that, you know, uh, Jackson Harglow never did send it, or she was written out. Never. You know? yeah. But, I mean, at the time, I don't know that. I'm yeah. just like, she's like, why? I know, yeah. She's jumping yeah, into her it quick. behavior's like very. Yeah, uh, and then she starts making out erratic. with him, just like, just come on, don't let me do this alone. <laughs> well, she has a good scene where I'm losing me, I'm losing me, or yeah. whatever. You're losing your mind because you read the book. Well, I love that fucking scene when she goes to meet Sutter Kane. It's a little long winded just to get there, right? You got to walk through the church, you got to open a door, see a little room, close the door, walk out, then hear typing, then go back and then see, oh my God, it's a much bigger room. And there's Sutter Kane. <laughs> a lot of rooms changing. But that's when, like, I don't know, you just see Sutter Kane and that's when he spills the beans about, like, the whole time I thought I was making this up, but they've been telling me what to write. You know, who would have thought that one day I would make reality and and is and uh what he makes her read the book. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean it, and then she eventually morphs into because I think like, you know, part of the like this this book reading it not only changes your mind and your opinions on things or your quote unquote reality, it actually transforms your physical uh, biology, yeah. also <laughs> into another, yeah. you know, one of the well, once again, a young one, an old one, but a deep is one, that the uh, whatever? But once again, like, are they talking about a actual physical change? Or are they just talking about this is the one that's going to fucking turn you into a violent? Like, there's no turning back. Once you read this, you will be a violent, violent person. And the metaphor, the monsters or, uh... are well, yeah, because like I said, you watch this movie, you don't know is John Trent already crazy from reading Sutter Kane's books. Yeah. The so there, therefore, if you read the book, you change it to a mod. It's almost like Videodrome could almost like play in this area, right? There, yeah. Where you don't know what you're seeing is a hallucination. People might not really be monsters, but since they're violent, you see them as monsters. You know, it's their 
internal thing, but it's an interesting take on it. Yeah, I guess every time I've watched that, I've always taken it as objective reality. We're seeing the reality through the eyes of John. Well, Trent. that's what but, I was like. He read the book. But that's what crazy. I was questioning. And, like, and this whole thing is, is a, this actually happening or is this what he's, this is he could, seeing this could just be But this him. is also what he's relating because this, this movie sets up that he, it starts in the mental ward. Yeah. He's already cra- quote unquote right. crazy well, explaining this to but David But they explain Warner. that at the end though. Because that's actually why. I mean, do we want to wait? Or do well, we I just want to talk about it, it? This is why him up he, as he could be an unreliable narrator. Mm. Everything that you're seeing. Oh yeah. Is, yeah. But no. Know, but see, see, I think it sets him up as very serious. Because when David Warner sees he drew the crosses, he's like, "Yeah, this is very you know." That'll keep. If they here. saw this, it'd be just enough. To, and that's why he kills the kid with the axe. It's just to get put in the mental. He's not crazy, or at least not you know. Yeah. He's not psycho crazy. He just mimics what the. What the editor or what the what what is the, viewed the, is crazy. No, the uh, the axe killer that was uh, oh, his agent. agent. Right, from, yeah, from All before. he does is mimic the agent to get put into the insane asylum, so he can kind of be safe. He can be locked away mm. where it's safe because the rest of the world's going crazy. Yeah, but so yeah, so John Trent finds out that he's the one that's supposed to take the book back. He's into going the to, real world. He's delivering the new reality. This is the new Bible. All that cool shit. Yeah. And that's where we get into our kind My of our favorite color is blue. Our religious discussion <laughs> about how like more people believe in Sutter Kane's work than the Bible. And I think that's a very powerful idea. The fact that I mean, I, I, I really I mean, I shit I've in the past few years, I've almost taken that in a weird literal way where like go out, go out in the world right now. You see all these people wearing shirts with Satan on them. Everything's got Satan on it. If you even mention Jesus, they'll like Ugh, they'll. You know, they'll fucking, you know. Depends on who you're hanging out with. I, well, I I'm, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but, but just the idea that, um, fuck, you lost me. Uh, <laughs> Satan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just the idea that if you believe in a world consciousness, you know, like say we all do share one consciousness, we can either feed it with negative thoughts or positive thoughts. Right. So I like that idea that like, if we just did believe like, fuck it. If, if, if Christianity's fake or whatever, but if we would have just believed in it, mankind would have survived <laughs> and maybe lived in peace, but we did it. We fucking decided to go to horror. And I mean, shit, just look at nowadays. Horror movies or whatever started in the, like the twenties or thirties. A horror movie used to be the intent to murder. That's it. It was just like, oh my god, that person wants to kill that person. This is horrifying. Now it's how many bodies can you build up? Where are we going to be in another hundred years? I think we'll be back to the Coliseum. We'll be watching real people get murdered another hundred <laughs> well, years. And just ten years, you'll have virtual, re- like super virtual. But still, we'll be doing it for real though in a hundred years because it took us a hundred years to get from the just the intent of murdering is a horror horrible thought. And then now we just need to see bodies of how are they going to do it? How fucking blah blah blah. So give it another hundred years, and where are we going to fucking be at? You know, we might not be able to turn back. So I just like that idea that. That I mean, shit. This movie blows my mind in that way. This is like why this movie's kind of Twilight Zony to me, right? Because I mean, it's really just like holy fuck. That concept is just like oh my god. Yeah, it's got a lot of. Yeah, I mean, the themes and the ideas that it raises it raises are intriguing in that way, and kind of you know they're, they're big, big ideas, right? The you can bite them off and chew on them think about you know some of the stuff that's there but like the execution is you know kind of yeah i mean 
it's like Carpenter's a good enough director that everything is staged well enough. It's, it seems like the biggest enemy of this movie is the the budget. It's trying, well, I think it's trying to be scary. It's putting those boo scares in and trying to like augment reality to make that the scare. It, and that's just like, fuck, it makes this movie drag a little bit because it's like, dude, come on. You know, I don't. I mean, I don't say it drags through the second half because once he actually yeah, comes middle. back to reality. Oh, that starts because that's when you deal with the monsters. Where I mean, just that fucking scene where he's running in the where. Hallway. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Where he takes the book, you know, he's like, that's it. I'm done now. I'm basically God. Sutter Kane's like, I'm God now. Once you take that back, <laughs> that's going to be the new thing. Yeah. Uh, and then he he's like, you must go now. I can't hold him back any longer, which is like, well, if that's what the old ones want, why would they eat him? Right. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. He wants just, to be eaten. He well, probably just because, hey, deities. fuck it. They're still like yeah. god monsters. They don't give a right, shit yeah. if they're going to do something good for them. They're just like, food. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Mortal. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that awesome, awesome idea. I don't know about the effect, but where Sutter Kane peels himself like a book. Yeah. Or you he see is the, the port- He is the doorway. Because that is the book, right? That is the moment where you, the viewer, It would be as if you were reading, looking at the book and you're viewing inside of it, right? Because John Trent, well, Sutter Kane tells him, you're a fictional dude I created. Your whole purpose is to come to this fictional town and take my book back to New York to get published and start the change. Mm. And fucking dude can't handle that, right? Like, what? No one pulls my strings. I'm, you know... I know reality. This is reality. This is reality. (laughs) This is is not reality. (laughs) And uh, that's a really powerful moment for a cheap movie when he leans into the darkness and she starts explaining what he sees. Right, the whole like you know, spilling and uh, stumbling over each other. Oh, I like how what is that? The shriek. (laughs) Like he doesn't need to shriek because their shrieks do it for him. (laughs) The shrieks of the things coming or whatever the fuck. That's yeah. like a perfect That's a good scene. Lovecraftian oh, yeah, scene, yeah, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's all because it, you know it's, it's, it's on it's his face. Yeah, you don't see what he's seeing. You're getting this. It's monsters coming out of a darkness. Of it. Yeah, a wall of monsters. And yeah, it's which even, they cut away from because I'm guessing they don't hold up right. under scrutiny. But sure. it's well, still a cool that's idea. the one. No, that's the one time Carpenter uh, in the commentary talks about like well the reason that is because like anything in Lovecraft it's too horrible to bear you can't like uh, you just can't see uh, <laughs> so that know. was intentional I, 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 would, they, I would think so because sure. yeah that's the or at least it worked in their favor yeah because yeah, I would say that's what I don't like about a Lovecraftian type movies is they want to show, show a monster much. where it's supposed to be yeah. this thing where if something is fucking frightening to even look at, you can't it show would, it. You can't movie. show it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and in a weird way, that is. It's always going to be a letdown. Yeah. Well, that's the perfect uh, version, in a weird way, of the end of Shadow or Innsmouth, right? Where he's running from the horde of things and he just sees these glimpses of tentacles and, mm. and fish things. And, and then, yeah, he just wakes up on the side of the road. Yeah. Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen, the paper boy. But yeah. he, I mean, this scene, come, or the sequence, you know, him getting back to New York culminates in that moment where he sits down with Charlton Heston. He's explaining what's happening. You got happening. a nice little drum beat again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The book finds its way home or the book returns or something like that. It's on the soundtrack home. Uh, but the idea that once he gets back and explains this, uh, the publisher's like, well, you gave me this book well, we both like, know that's in the true. spring. I didn't it's, send it We with published it seven weeks ago. I don't remember this person you say I sent with you. I know I sent you. He's like, don't put it out. Just don't do it. You know, don't. You got to trust me. People will go mad. You know, well, maybe maybe there's still hope. Maybe, maybe people don't, you know, maybe they won't read it. He's like, well. 
the movie comes out next month. Yeah. <laughs> I can guarantee that's why Charlton. This is Charlton Heston's next. Like, damn you, you blew it up. You know, it's the whole. It's the whole. We printed it, and the movie comes out next month. That's yeah. his. Woo-hoo. I got another apes fucking like Twilight Zone zinger in there. Charlton Heston was on like a streak right there for a little while when he was he was in like True Lies, this and like Wayne's World was or he something like that. Yeah, was he in True Lies? Yeah, he was the head of the holy shit. Whatever this, whatever the division of the CIA FBI was. Or, I don't for. remember this, but yeah, I don't remember I seeing it. I, yeah, I don't recall. Oh, weird. I don't really? recall I don't remember them showing the head of I, like, I don't Schwarzenegger. Recall. I remember no, Tom I don't Arnold. either. <laughs> I remember, yeah, Tom, it's like Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold. That's crazy. Uh, weird. But then he well, he tells him that, like, well, we both know I sent you alone. There is no style. Yeah. You know? Oh, well, he must have been written out. And that's my only, yeah. like, the only way, if I would remake this movie... The only thing I would add is that he shouldn't have met Styles till after he read the book. That way, that would be more. That way, you could play with the idea: is he crazy? Yes. Or you know, or did he really? I agree with that. Not send an editor with him. Like if they would just would have waited just one one right. scene. If they just would have even if they style. had played that scene where he's like, because he says send Styles in. Like if she had, like if he hadn't mentioned her and she just came in and reacted the same way she did in the scene. Like even that would go more towards her not right, not being real. He well, calls was, her in specifically, which kind of gives yeah. it up. But on the that. movie also doesn't. Maybe I don't know. I took this as a flaw in it that it gives since the movie is being told from John Trent's point of view. There are several scenes from Linda Stiles' point of view, and it's like, but if she's not a real character, you know, whatever happens But this is a book, though. You are reading this as if you are experiencing anything. You are still following her perspective of a person still finding out they are fictional as well. Not just John Trent. John Trent know, like, what happened when he was asleep or when he was not there. You know what I mean? Well, because like, he's narrating the story at the beginning. But he would have no knowledge of those. Well, because Sutter Kane didn't write that memory out of him. He just, he no, just, I mean, he wouldn't have those memories because he wasn't present. It was her. She's in the car awake, you know, discovering that they're traveling, they're oh, driving through the Where she is the character stuff. who's acknowledging yeah. the world around them. Yes. Well, because when she goes to see Sutter Kane, I think, is the other one. Because it's still a book. You can't, even though Sutter Kane erased her in the end of the book, doesn't mean she doesn't exist. That's why. It doesn't like, exist before. Yeah, that. you can't just say, well, that doesn't make sense. Because we're not watching, I mean. It's kind of like Brandon. He I mean, I got guess dropped at some point. Well, we don't know that. But that's, I mean, that's like the big ticket, the the big, like, that's the real zinger of this movie, right? When John Trent gets out of the insane asylum because, like, it just goes so fucking hectic, which, oh, I love with the when the doctor from uh, Gremlins 2, when the guy, when David Warner comes out and says, the man thinks he's a fictional character living in a Sutter Kane book or whatever, then the doctor goes, do you read Sutter Kane? Oh, I fucking love that. Because right there, you know, oh, I got this guy might be a little loony. You know, anybody that reads the fucking Sutter Kane, you know, you got, you got to question their fucking sanity. Yeah. For those of you wondering who this guy is, it's Lionel Luther from Smallville. Yes. Yes. That is the other role that I know. John yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he had long hair there. Long hair was remember for Gremlins, Gremlins too. Yeah, yeah that's the first thing I saw. I'm like, hey, it's well, that he's, guy. Well, he's a genius. <laughs> well, he's like, he he's, he's, right. he's kind of eccentric. And he's very positive. Very eccentric positive. He makes yeah. me happy if that guy's in a movie. If yeah. he's on screen, yeah. he makes me happy. Yes. That's fucked up, right? That guy's a good... It's not even that he, like, he's such a great actor. No. no. He just always plays these fucking great quirky characters. He played that... the devil in the TV show Brimstone really? with uh, the guy from 30. 
something. I kind of remember Peter, that. Whatever the fuck his name is. Crazy. Yeah, he had the <laughs> long hair. That, no, before him. Uh, I don't remember. So, do we? I mean, I yeah. I also like that the. Yeah, did I ever tell you my favorite color is blue? And Sutter, Sutter yeah. Kane appears next. And that was actually, that's a blue boss. Everybody's, blue, yeah. right, their right. clothes everybody's are blue. blue. Their hair's dye blue. Oh, that's you a can blue. tell. That's not blue. A, that is not a filter. No. They actually everyone's have a blue, blue boss that wow. with, with different uh, You can tell because I looked at her hair. I'm like, sure, her hair's fucking blue. Her hair's blue. fucking blue. That could be the. No, well, I mean, no, 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 I watched the commentary. It's a blue it. boss. Yeah. No, it's yeah. blue. But that's very fun, right? It's, it's just cool. a fun idea like, oh, yeah. to make it really blue without yeah. just that yeah, that filter look, right? Yeah, I love that. It's losing its mind, right? Oh, it's great. And so, yeah, so. Reality finally breaks down, and and uh, basically, what monsters let him out of the uh, yeah and out he, of the uh, insane asylum, and he ends up in a everybody movie else theater is dead or whatever. Showing we don't know. John Carpenter's in Mouth Madness, Mouth Madness starring John Trent. But we yeah. are because that's the thing. That's what you got to understand. Is like this is not a character that necessarily found out he was in a book. Blah blah. Like this is the movie. This is he <laughs> found out he's the movie. That's why it's starring uh, John Trent. And why would you? It's not would you starring do some other actor. The movie. It's yeah. that exactly. We're watching the movie, so we're wa- he's watching exactly what we watch. He we can't read the book and see it, so we watch the movie and saw it, and that's what he did. Yeah. So he's so in a weird way. He's not the fictional book character finding out. He's, he is the movie character finding out that a movie was made about the book or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. And that's why the only appropriate response to that is to laugh maniacally. You go crazy. Yeah. To fade yeah. out. Yeah, you done. go crazy. And then laugh and be done. And any movie that like ends on a fucking sour note or reality broke down, it's like that's the those are the best horror movies. Like regardless of how weak I think the second mm-hmm. act in this sure. is. Just the fact that you end it with that sort of like, oh my god, you yeah. know, reality is fucked. I, I just think that's beautiful. Yeah, I like, can accept that and be like, yeah, all right, I get you. I mean, maybe it doesn't need to be longer than like a forty-five minute like Twilight Zone or some bullshit, but sure. But still, it's it's just a fun movie. All right, well, is that it for in the mouth of madness? I believe. Before so. we go to uh, Igor. Is it Igor or Igor? Uh, Igor. It depends on. I, I was wondering, does Igor is Igor owned by Universal, so everybody does Igor to get around it? I'm not <laughs> sure, right? Well, if we get sued by Universal, I'll take it. Igor, masters, masters, the mail. I've got the mail. So many letters. Our followers are rising, rising. All right, and thank you for that mail, Igor. Oh, my God, everybody's writing in this week. Uh, First of all, on our Lemora, the the Child's Tale of the Supernatural episode, Bobette Georgie writes in on Facebook. Oh, by the way, you can get a hold of us on Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show, on Twitter, at Sat Freak Show, or on uh, email, Saturday Night Freak Show at Yahoo.com. If you have a comment about this or any other episode, uh, feel free to write in and we'll read your comment on air. Uh, Bobette says about Lamora, uh, I guess you'd call this a vampire movie, but it felt more satanic to me. I wondered what kind of parent would let their young children act in a movie like this. Uh, she says that it's sure, not a very satisfying film, not a bunch of, or not much action. 
It could have been more erotic, but it succeeds in being creepy, like ick creepy. And uh, I felt unsettled watching it. Us too. Well, the the story of Cheryl Rainbow Smith is a tragic one. I mean, she ended up in, uh, you know, losing her life to, I think, hepatitis from uh, heroin (laughs) usage. So I don't think she had a very strong uh, parental uh, oversight. Uh, Damien Prowse writes in about our Masters of the Universe episode. Oh, late to the game, but we appreciate it anyway. He says, I remember going to the show to see Masters of the Universe. That was the first time I saw Frank Langella, and I became an instant fan of his. And now 29 years later, I'm I'm still a huge Frank Langella fan. Yeah, because I mean, we all like dude, that, I swear to God, I, I put I put Frank Langella Skeletor up against almost any villain in any Marvel movie. Or I mean, Frank Langella Skeletor. Yeah, fuck. You didn't you know, know that? that? I didn't. Wa- I wasn't here for this. Oh, one. oh shit! Yeah, oh, holy shit! Frank Langella really Skeletor. Well, he's in a genius movie. Holy Everybody fuck. else is in like a bullshit. Holy like- fuck! Do you have this? Yeah, I need, of course bring I have this, it. Bring this next week. I need to borrow this. <laughs> Frank Langella Skeletor. Oh, it's wow. great. Yeah, bring it's great. this. I want to watch this. He is a highlight this. of that movie. And oh. uh, his Dracula is also awesome if you can uh, I'll see, see Skeletor first. Ooh, ouch. Okay, so uh, Chris Huddleston writes in uh, about Scream. Uh, the, I posed a question on Facebook. Uh, what was better, Scream the TV series or Scream Queens? Chris says, Scream Queens is no question, not scary by any means, but it was very funny and with some great dialogue. Looked entertaining. I need to get it. Looked entertaining. And Jamie Lee Curtis and whatnot, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's from Ryan Murphy, the guy who did. Yeah. uh, Who does every other show on FX and fucking. Yeah. And now the OJ thing. Um, So Dom Cree writes in. Dom! Hey guys, the I just Cree. I just the thought Cree. I'd say that the freak show needs to do a buddy cop movie some review sometime. Dead Heat, Heart Condition, Downtown, <laughs> too many classics. What about the man with from. two heads? That seems like buddy-ish. We can do that, right? I don't think that's a buddy cop movie though, is it? Yeah, it seems buddy-ish, heads? like a black guy and a white guy stuck together. Oh shit, like, I know what you're talking about. Is like the man a, with two heads? That's a two-headed. The two-headed is something. Oh uh, <laughs> damn it! We <laughs> Rosie Greer and uh, oh man, oh, it's like. Uh, Oh. A very racist white man with a black man on Amos his shoulder. He was saying, "No, he gets no, the no. black guy's head like I don't know stuck to his shoulder." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing with two heads. The, um, something. Uh, something. He's got two heads. One is black. One is white and racist. Okay, That's all well, I know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's in this? Just Ray no, Milland you know. yeah. from the X, the man with the X-ray eyes, yeah. and uh, Rosie Greer. Jesus. All right. <laughs> so that brings us to our final thoughts. The wrap-ups on In the Mouth of Madness. Colin. Oh, hey, um, I guess I go first. You go first. So, yeah, uh, this movie has improved with age for me. I still think, you know, it's execution. It's like, do you recommend this movie to someone who hasn't ever seen a horror movie? No, it's not like a mainstream kind of thing, but that's okay. If you're listening to the show, you're already on the inside track, right? I mean, like, you've probably already seen this. I think you have to because this is uh, John Carpenter's on the, uh, you know, horror 101 syllabus. Um, And this I'm going through my mind right now. Is this the last decent movie that he made? This was in the last 90s. Last decent movie, yeah. That, just, that he made. I read an article that said this was the, you know, the um, just recently. There's been some talk about it, In the Mouth of Madness online. Somebody was 
putting forth the idea that this was the scariest movie of the 90s. Oh, dear Lord. And I'm like, well, I mean, the 90s was a kind of... Maybe if you were in the 90s? But, yeah, because I didn't think so at the time, to tell you the truth. Like, when I saw it originally, uh, I was like, you know, I had an expectation of what John Carpenter was. He had kind of, you know, I saw Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which seemed like a job that he did for hire. Very much. I saw that one in the theater. I hadn't seen... uh, I've never seen that one early on. I'd seen the other ones on video, uh, you know, um, Prince of Darkness and Mm -hmm. They Live, you know, coming out of the 80s. And this was the first movie that he did with New Line Cinema, and they treated it like it was a big deal that they got John Carpenter with their studio. Because if you go and look at the trailers for this, Mm -hmm. I remember it was like, you know, he terrified you with Halloween. You know, he scared you with Christine. He, you know, did. And it was like, John Carpenter is back. And it's like, well, he never really left. I've watched the movie (laughs) he did, you know, two years ago, but they were positioning it. Like this was the comeback of the master of, of horror and uh, didn't do well at the box office. And like I said, I think my initial impression of it was, you know, you're when you go into a John Carpenter movie, you're taking the movies that you have seen that he's done with you as baggage, yeah. and you want something that exceeds or at least meets that level of quality. And to me, on upon first viewing, this the first twenty minutes did, and the last twenty minutes did, and in the middle, it just kind of seemed like a jumbled mashup. It's easier to appreciate it now because I think you know. I'm accustomed to it. There hasn't really been anything like this uh, since, uh, you know, I think it is, it stands up as unofficially one of the best adaptations. It captures the spirit of like HP Lovecraft's fiction in a movie, which I think is really fucking hard to do, but this movie kind of does it. Um, Time's up. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> moving on. It, this is definitely going to be a recommendation. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I like, I don't love, but I like in the mouth of madness now quite a bit. And like I said, after this was like vampires, yeah. Ghosts of Mars, <laughs> vampires. It was Lord, over. You know, Village of the Damned. So it's I'm like, gonna revisit that one. I I. Everyone says it's bad, but I got to revisit that one. It's not horrible. Like he doesn't make horrible movies. No, never it's horrible just, movies. It's just, it's not just good. flat. Sure. Yeah, that's the biggest sin that John. Car- well, pro life is horrible, right? That episode <laughs> of the TV show. But everything else is uh, is either you know is better than a flat fucking line. And Village of the Damned is just like it's there, but it, there's no peaks and there's no valleys. It's just a fucking. Okay, I I sat. It's got Kirstie Alley in it. Yeah, <laughs> the cast is very you know eighties TV or something. Christopher like Reeve, <laughs> yeah, Mark Hamill, That's what I was, yeah. Yeah. and Michael Pere, you know, who hadn't done anything since yeah. Streets of Fire, probably, I and know, Eddie and the begin. Cruisers. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, let's go with the two crazy thumbs up. I don't know, two crazy or, thumbs. Yeah, uh, in the uh, mouth of madness. There you go. Um, I think I initially watching this, um, my uh, opinion of it has changed from the initial viewing to the discussion with you guys over it. Because I don't know if you had anybody to discuss this with after you first saw it back when it first came out. I'm pretty sure I had like the initial reaction you did watching it tonight that you first had back in 1995. Really? Well, it's just I, to me, it, it felt like um, 
Uh, it's a perfect version of watching a man just go insane. And I, I, I kind of took it at that. I like, I like talking about it. You know, you see more of the themes that he was going for, for it. Um, and exploring that. And I appreciate that. Um, I like, I like a good amount of this movie. Um, I like Sam Neill. Like I haven't seen Sam Neill in a lot of other stuff. I haven't seen Sam Neill in a lot of other stuff um, besides, you know, like I think Jurassic Park. Uh, I, uh, not a lot. He was anyway. in Omen 3. No. Nope. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think I probably saw Omen 2 and that was about it. Um, Did you see Omen 3? Sam Neill's good at it. Uh, is it? Uh, but I like I was trying to think. I was like, how many horror movies is Sam Neill Yeah. But I like him. I like him in this. I think he's really good. Um, I like all the kind of like the actors that surround him in this. Uh, David Warner and uh, uh, I forgot his name from Gremlins Two and everything. Mm. Like whatever. But he's, like Gremlins. I was like like you said, I always appreciate I always seeing him. Clamp, Mr. Yeah. Clamp, <laughs> John Glover, John Glover. John Glover. I always appreciate seeing him. Um, uh, yeah, I was kind of vexed watching this first time. I'm just like. Eh. It's all right. Uh, exploring the themes a bit more. I like it more. I like that these characters are kind of are in the middle of a book. Like uh, to me, it's in the middle of a Stephen King book. Like they just find themselves in it and shit's going on. Um, I like the characters recognizing like, you know, uh, Vigo recognizes like that's the way he wrote me Psh, and blows his head off. Um, I like that he finds out that, you know, uh, uh, Kane was just right. It's like it's writing these characters and he figures out he's just a character in this. And, you know, as it gets more meta, like I appreciate that. And it kind of ends like, you know, uh, I, I, I like the ending where it just kind of ends where he's like, he's a character in this. And the only thing you can do is just go sit in a theater and watch yourself <laughs> and just laugh yourself crazy. Like you are, everything's insane. It's all done. Just laughing to insanity. Um, I did like the movie. I'm kind of with Colin on this. I'm like, I don't love it. I do like it. Um, I would, I would recommend it. I think it's worth seeing. And, and you know, according, uh, Colin's got a better, uh, better eye for this as, as far as it being, uh, Carpenter's last good film. Um, I mean, yeah. come on, Escape I from. I told Ma- it when I met Carpenter. I told him that this was the last good <laughs> horror movie ever made. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I still have a, a place in my heart for Escape from L.A. Like that just sits there with me. But other than that, it maybe <laughs> maybe this is Carpenter's last good film. Um, but uh, I liked it well enough. I would recommend you see it as part of you know his kind of repertoire of movies. So I would recommend it. I mean, I I mean, I actually do love this movie. Not necessarily because it's a perfect movie, mm. but just I've never, as long as I've watched horror movies, I've just never seen another movie like this. And I guess that's what's special about when you try to find horror movies that are a little different, have a different storyline. Or plus, I very I think it's very hard to. I mean, we keep talking about how hard it is to make a Lovecraftian sort of feel. And it just is. It's just hard. Most times people just focus on it's a tentacle monster. It's like, well, that's not the fucking point, goddammit. The point is the madness <laughs> that seeing the tentacle monster fucking brings about. And, uh, I mean, I do. The reason this movie is so, uh, um, I guess, special are how important and how well just the moments of exposition work, right? You have nothing in this movie except for two people sitting around just saying like, 
Well, that's what scares me. What if the world shared his perspective? Sane and insanity can easily switch places. Then you have it does like, work well. Then you have the whole like, well, this is the new Bible. More people believe in my work than believe in the Bible, and you have that stuff that really is a just a strong concept to me, a horrifying concept to me. Really, <laughs> it's one of those things. Where it's like fuck. Uh, I almost feel like I die a little every time I watch this movie because I'm like, this is the this is the world. This is where we're going. It's where yeah, we this are. is where we're going. In a weird way, I think this movie is is a little like. I mean, it's to me, it's telling me what's happening <laughs> in a weird way. Um, and uh, I just like I like horror where reality means nothing. It's very hard to pull off. Sometimes it can be very confusing. And I think these guys do it in a good way. I mean, there's some things I think are a little lackluster just due to budgetary. Like when they see the thing in the, uh, the thing in the snakes are the monster with snakes for arms. And right. the, uh, it's it's kind of like, like dancing. He, he was posing. He was he just was, like, he, like, was, he, was, been he was dancing in a greenhouse. I'm a like, monster. Ooh. Be scared of me. It's like, well, what's he doing? Yeah. Though? I thought like, it was going to be bigger. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Filled bigger. the whole thing. They should, yeah. Still, they should have did but, like, once again, the whole Lovecraft thing, you should have like almost did like a close up from behind just so you could see a shape moving. Right. Just something moving within camera. It worked for me in that odd way. Like we said, being, in a book works like the visuals of like if you're living in a book like it worked for me in that way and i mean once again i've I've always loved i mean twilight zone is my favorite series so if you can actually think of a twist that gets me or like really captures my imagination that's like the most important thing to me is like fucking capture my imagination you know let let me think about this i mean yeah i think this movie is really ripe for a remake just because Sam Neill is kind of an older character, you can easily replace that with a younger character, get the kids in there. Uh, you can do that whole Styles thing where he doesn't meet Styles till after he reads the yeah. books. That way you can really question, well, Styles is a figment of his imagination, or did he get written out, or did she get written out by Sutter Kane? Um, yeah, so this movie, uh, I just I love this fucking movie. Um, yeah, the middle section is a little boring. I can recognize it, but there's at least enough stuff in it. The part that really doesn't work for me, I guess we should have talked about this during the review, but I'll mention it real quickly, is when he's trying to leave the town and reality is not letting him, right? Mm. And then he just has that look like, that's what's going on. It's like, what do you mean that's what's going on? Like, you don't fucking know. Like, how, how the fuck, if this is fake, how are they, like, shifting your reality back to the, like... That's when I would have been, as the character, freaked out. Yeah. But he just has this, like, I figured it out. Like, what What did you figure out? That you can't leave? <laughs> it doesn't explain why reality is shifting. But anyway. Um, and actually, I don't like the actress that plays Styles. Mm-hmm. I would replace yeah. her with anything. Yep. There's something about her. And, like, yeah, I guess she looks New York. You know, I don't, what does that mean, Jewish? But, <laughs> but... Yeah, there's something about her I don't like. Yeah, especially her, like, the first scene she's in, like, the way she acts throughout well, because the scene. She, he lights well, a it, cigarette, and she has to, like, push a cup of coffee, like, right. put it out, like, asshole. she's almost forcing her way like, into the scene a little bit. Shit. It's just like, it's a little too much. It shouldn't be a little more subtle for that scene. Julie Carmen. She's just better. To work her she's way She's, like, in. better than everyone. 
That just came out of my That's head. That's just how right. the character acts. She's better than everyone. Yeah, like, she's like a little... Tone, I read books. Toned down what do you for her do? Scene. Watch movies? Yeah. <laughs> a bit much. Yes. Yeah. But I that's agree. why we like movies. We we can watch scenes and like no one has to necessarily drill it into our heads what's going on. But I think there's enough in this movie. I mean, I think that's why I go back to it. Is there's enough in this where I don't think they're just talking about monsters and reality. They are talking about violence in the media. They're talking about just weird metaphysical things like, you know, if 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 we discarded religion, what would be replace, you know, what would replace it? Especially if we're going the way we're going now. There's that great line that the human race will be oh. a, just a bedtime story to, you know, whoever. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. The human race will just be another, yeah, will be another myth, a bedtime story to tell their children. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that cosmic horror, right? We're talking about how one day we could blip out, be nothing, or... Because, I mean, right now, the only thing we know about consciousness is each other. You know, the fact that I'm alive is the only reason consciousness exists in my perspective, right? But so, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> it's, it, it just, this movie will drag you down those type of conversations. That's why it's fucking Into great. insanity. Into, ins- into madness. The, mount- <laughs> the cliffs of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the, in the mouth of madness. <laughs> just got it. Just got it. Just got it. <laughs> just got it. <laughs> so I absolutely recommend it. Watch it with your family. I actually showed this to... A, Do you have children? Show no, I no, I showed it to a a a grumpy old like fifty five year old. He's like, oh oh, they haven't made good horror since the seventies. Oh yeah, oh, oh. and I gave it to him. He's like, it gave me nightmares. <laughs> like so, this movie it, was, it definitely works on the older generation that's used to just hearing dialogue mm. and using that to build on. You know, I like that you hang out with fifty year olds. Yeah, I worked with him. <laughs> well, Carpenter has said. Uh, that he because the Wall Street Journal like interviewed him about this movie in like maybe it was the hmm. 20 year anniversary 2014 maybe and he said that you know he's very proud of it and he considers it one of his best movies and he said uh, you know as he goes to conventions he talks to a lot of people and he says you know every, it's interesting because everybody likes something different but he says recently people have been talking to me about this movie so it's uh, it's, yeah. it's just a different a type of horror movie. You know, you yeah. get to think. You don't ever you like. Oh, there's a guy with a knife. He's gonna stab the chick with the boobs. Hope she takes a shower first. You know, you got to get clean before you get. Uh. Yeah. So just it's just nice to have a horror movie that makes you think. And I mean, fuck, how many horror movies can you really say that for? I love horror, but how many really make you fucking think? That's what I was going to lump Carpenter in with George Romero. Is there, you know? I, mean, I think so. Yeah. But Romero's better at it. <laughs> like, artists working. Oh, no, no, no. I, Carpenter, I'm sorry. Carpenter's well, better Carpenter's at it. Carpenter's able to sublimate his theme. Well, his is more, so yeah. His is more first. Yeah. And his theme underneath. Because as much as he has, like, I don't think Carpenter really wants to get into it. Like, right. an interview, like, he yeah. doesn't want to get political, which no. I, I respect. Well, because he's, like, I already did it. It's, right. it's, it's there. The yeah, it's there. It. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk well, to me about it. Well, he does. I think he does play dumb sometimes. He's just like, oh, I don't know, made a move. It's just like Stan Lee. If you listen to Stan Lee talk about anything, he plays it dumb because he's like, dude, yeah. he's staying neutral. He's yeah. not trying to piss anybody off. He's yeah. not trying to, you know, validate anybody's opinion. Just fuck it. I'm neutral. These people, I made a movie. That doesn't mean they need to know my political right. views, yeah. you know, which I do appreciate, you know. Yeah. 
Because we got nowadays, oh, I'm going to start talking about fucking Leo. <laughs> that motherfucker can't shut up. All right, so that's In the Mouth of Madness on the Saturday Night Freak Show. That means next week we're watching Sean's movie. Sean, what are we watching? We are going to watch Candyman. Candyman. Don't say it. Candyman. Oh, oh, I thought it was five. Candyman. Oh, it doesn't stop. B. That's what we're watching right, next week. You, oh, you didn't have a mirror anyway. It wouldn't work. So. Yeah. Are you supposed to do it in a mirror? Yeah. It's supposed to do it in a mirror. Until next week, then, uh, listeners, the basement is going dark. <laughs>